coffee and a little bit of conversation. Hello everyone, welcome to Conversations and Coffee Podcast. Today I'm joined with Mark William Logan. Mark, it's thank you so much for coming yeah, over. Thank you. Um, only messaged you the other day, you were like, yeah, let's do it, come on in. Um, you've made it happen, you've went out of your way to have a chat with me. I'm really interested to hear your story and share it on this platform in terms of how you got to where you are now, as opposed to kind of like, you know, just what your interests are and your hobbies and your, you know, your personal kind of um, goals and that. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to kind of hear your journey, like, because I've watched an interview where you spoke about it and you were talking about your younger years and, yep. you know, being playing football very competitively and then transitioning from that then to kind of finding yourself. Um, so through this podcast, I just literally simply just like to know how your journey has been and mm-hmm. how, how things have been to kind of get to here. Yeah, uh, I think it's a constant process. I don't think that we ever arrive in life at a place where we're like, where we where we feel actualized. I think that that's like a mental trick. I think something I learned uh, throughout the course of my life was that every time we get to success as human beings, we pick up the like milestone and throw it forward another mile and say, right, when I get there, I'll be happy. So for me, it's like I never feel like uh, I ever want to say like I'm there you know or I've found myself I think it's a constant uh, evaluation of like who you are and that's what this process and this experience of being present on the planet is about and there's an old story I heard about this uh, stone sculptor in India and he used to create these big like elephants from stone just concrete and he was asked one day some little kid came up to him I think it was in India and he was making this huge stone elephant and the little kid came up and he said you know like how do you get this detailed, beautiful elephant from just this massive block of stone? And he said, well, it's easy. I just take everything away that doesn't look like an elephant. And then I'm left with an elephant. So that, that sounded like quite simple, let's say, at the time. But when I really thought about it, it was like, your elephant in life will constantly change and evolve as to what you think it's going to be or what you want your life to be. But for me, it's just the process of constantly taking away things and taking out things that no longer serve you in life that aren't actually uh, conducive to growth or happiness or joy Um, but for me life is all about just peace love and joy just trying to find those three things and have a healthy balance and just taking away all those bits that how did you find what was most beneficial finding them and achieving that in your life you know I find when people kind of say like oh I'm on a diet or Mm. or I'm now taking up yoga or I'm doing uh, you know meditation or I'm you know practicing mindfulness but you know that's fine if you're doing all these things but sticking them out and making it part of your lifestyle and, and nearly just changing your lifestyle around these things mm. you know what what made you go from the old mark mm. to transition to the new mark mm. which clearly it is just your lifestyle mm-hmm. it's not a phase it's not a trend it's not something you're just doing because you have an interest in it and maybe next week you'll do something different yeah. you are who you are now mm-hmm. but Clearly, this didn't happen overnight. Yeah, I think it's a constant process of like listening to your heart. Really, I think we're so disconnected from our bodies. We live a lot, a lot of in society. We live from like the neck up. You know, it's constant mind, mind, mind. And there's so many traps. You know, uh, now in society to make you live a way that is beneficial for society and beneficial for commerce, but not necessarily beneficial for your growth as a human being. So, for me, it's all about getting back in touch with like the, the heart space and the physical body and. Uh, listening like your gut is your first brain so if you're doing something in life that isn't serving you or making you happy your body's going to tell you and we try we shut it down we suppress it all the time and that's kind of like the the way it's been constructed the this kind of scale of life you from a very early age you have paternal 
psychology and you have this parental psychology that's forcing you into a way where your parents think this is what's best, this is what's best and then you get into school and school starts to put these kind of limitations around who you can be and what your career options are and college and then you get into a, an institution of education and then that gives you more options and you start to get funnels down and down and down. So much so that you're left with like very few options. So for me, I try to just take a step back and look at like the greater scheme of things and like what actually makes me happy and just pursue that. So the new me and the old me are still the same essence. It's still who I am. It's just I think I'm getting closer to whatever my truth is in that moment. And that can change from how, uh, how I feel in a, in a day to where I believe I need to invest the next five, ten years of my life. And I was going really, really hard at... Um, trying to become a professional footballer from the age of like five. I used to be just watching kids out training on the green outside and I just wanted to be a footballer and all my life all the books I read from autobiographies to Ferguson, that, you know, Frank mm. Lampard was always just how can I learn something from Diego Maradona or Pele about trying to be a footballer. I got to a stage where I was 22 years of age playing League of Ireland for Pats and and a few little milestones I just clocked like I played that's how I heard it before that, that's yeah. actually it now it's that they're coming to me because yeah. I'm a massive Pats fan I grew up in Drimna just across from, from Richmond Park that's actually you just look completely different and you yeah, didn't yeah. <laughs> Mark William Logan that makes so much more sense now I mean when I think back you're going back to kind of what was Bermo still there and Bur in Birmingham was there Forrester yeah, Pete, still Pete, playing Pete man Giff Forrester came in just after I that's left that's how I remember you 100% now that makes so much more sense yeah, yeah. well I think like Two, two things happened and it might sound silly but I, I got into FIFA so I was in the video game and I remember being like fuck I'm in FIFA and then I got a call off Pete Mann on like a Thursday morning being like uh, so and so didn't show up for his flight uh, can you get to the airport you know like we were playing IBV in Iceland it was Europa League second round qualifier and I was like what do you mean like get to the airport in two hours and he's like yeah yeah so I got over there and I was seeing you know UEFA and how the, the whole setup was and I was feeling very professional and um, on like a private plane to Iceland as, as a 22 year old being like alright is this it like is this okay is this what I'm going to devote my life to and I, I was thinking of my life like a pie chart and I was like I am interested in so many other things outside of football but I'm sacrificing 80% of my life to, to fulfil let's say this 12% that I've been just conditioned from birth to believe is what I want to be because it's like that thing like society will tell me that I've made it or you know by becoming that like getting those little affirmations on the way I've got there and I kind of got to a place where I was 22 and I looked around the dressing room and I saw a, a lot of men who were very happy in football but like literally lived a sleep football that was all they did and um, I just wanted to expand my life a little bit more and I realized that I was probably never going to make it to England and um, you know I wasn't going to get a job that would allow me to play football you know, 70% of my life and work a little bit and only get a nine month contract. I was like, I wanna, wanna travel, I wanna grow, I wanna take psychedelics, I wanna party, I wanna express myself beyond this. And, and I look at the dressing room at that time, it was a beautiful place. I learned a lot from amazing footballers who came before me, you know, there's some great players in those in those teams. Brads are, you know, Mulcahy, Bermo, those people. And really, really great, great people. And I was learning a lot from them, but I was also like, I wanna grow outside of this. Um, so I decided then to, to leave football and to, to look um, at the more kind of creative side of music and started working with a, like a, an experiential agency, which is a fucking fancy term for just event production. Um, 
uh, creating experiences with Heineken. So I did a lot of like live music stuff, uh, working on festivals and working on the kind of creative development of ideas and campaigns and did that for, worked on Heineken Live Music and uh, the Live Music Project and Sound Atlas around that time, bringing it to festivals and looking at what the Irish consumer wanted at that age. Um, and yeah, worked on that for like two years. And again, found myself in, in an agency environment, very competitive, you know, being paid very well. But I was like 23 going like, OK, I thought I'd get here when I was like 28, 29. Not feeling fulfilled, you know, like coming in on a Monday morning, like just fucking full of anxiety and like, oh, empty. And yeah, kind of kind of fulfilled in some ways, you know, like this is amazing. Like when an experience goes off and you've brought over an act and people are like, experiencing that there's nothing better than looking around and being like whoa we've created this for people and they're having this moment that you can't quantify like that was so fulfilling but just like I found that living and working in an agency environment I had to suppress a lot of the parts of who I was in order to fit into that company culture mm -hmm. and um, I remember I, I suffered a lot with anxiety like on a Sunday night I couldn't sleep I'd be getting sick thinking about you know going in and presenting the week ahead and a lot of this stuff where I was like where is the pressure coming from because it's not from the work it was from the kind of pressure from the company and from the industry to be a certain way. So I think what I've done now later on, like we've gone, we're six years later, I'm 28 now, um, I've just tried to create a, a family here where everyone loves each other and genuinely... I can clearly see that. Yeah, they, they, gen, they genuinely want to come in here. And it's know, a warm place. Thank you. It's really warm, yeah. definitely is. And like from when I came to the front door and you buzzed me in to... Greg coming down mm. and meeting me and then Jack immediately jumping above his chair yeah. and introducing himself I mean I hadn't even met you mm -hmm. and these yeah, people yeah. were coming to me like usually in, in an industry or in a you know in a field that I work in it's like mm. you've got to meet the boss and then the boss introduced you to all these people yeah. these people were like you know welcome yeah yeah and I thought that was nice just while we're up and talking about books yeah, there yeah, I, yeah. I read this book and I wanted to just share it with you because um I just thought you'd like it. Just yeah. with, in terms of life as a whole, this yeah. is Chris Hadfield's, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose, perspective legend, yeah. on life, but from an astronaut's opinion yeah. and an astronaut's experience. So I just thought I'd share that with you, you and you can have that. Thank you um, so much. Yeah. But let's jump from, right, okay, I'm glad now that you've told me about the football side of things because yeah. I definitely knew I knew you from That's somewhere. Funny, yeah. um, I definitely knew that. I should have Googled you. I would have definitely seen the photos of you in the Pats jersey from a couple of years back. But psychedelics. Yeah. And you know, this kind of I don't know mind, mind body, spirit, soul type mm -hmm. um, side of you was was hiding in there. Mm -hmm. But what happened? You you moved abroad, and um, it was always with me. Like I remember my mom telling me a story recently when I had a really bad toothache. I think I was five years of age, and she came up stairs, and I was obviously hallucinating really badly with the pain. And she was like, son, are you all right? You know, should we get the doctor? Do you want to, you know, do you want Calpol? Like, what's going on? And I just said, I need to speak to my, my, my real mother, you know, like, you're not my mother. And she got, got spooked. And I would have talked about a past life, let's say for the first five to seven years of my life, I was talking about um, my mammy with the sticks, this woman I remember who used to go foraging sticks and I had a little brother and we lived in like a stone house and we were in the forest and I used to always be in touch with this other world. So. My mother wasn't very dogmatic in insofar as religion. I was definitely christened and baptised and all, but that was more just a cultural thing, you know, societal thing. Ticking the know. box to get yeah, into school. Yeah, school as well. I went to St. Bridges in Clester for a few years and we I Is grew that up where you're Artane. from? I grew up in Artane, Artane yeah. Right. First thirteen years of my life grew up in Artane. So 
she always uh, encouraged that part of me and my mother was also quite into uh, the spirit world. So this, this whole world that we're in now, the story, society, civilization, humanity was always, the veil was always very thin for me. I always felt there was a lot more out there and I was open to talking about that. And that even that night my mom went along with it. Oh, no worries, son, yeah, I'll get you your mommy now and no problem. And I think she put like a wet cloth to my forehead and my nana came down and the two of them were in the room. And I was very calm, but I was very much in a kind of a vision uh, of my past life. So she always allowed me to express myself, you know, she, she gave birth to me and had me and raised me on her own with, with my nana, just those two women really. Uh, we, we, for the first three years of my life, lived with my nanny in her, in her house in uh, Mass Drive in Artane and then eventually she, she sold her car and nana helped her get a house, a council house in uh, Artane and my ma would have kind of let me explore any ideas and told me, you know, anything was possible and always kind of gave me books and, and, and kind of fueled that part of myself. And, even at the age of 13, I was, uh, so I would have went to national primary school, but I, I found a school, my mum found a school, I was getting in a lot of trouble in, in Clester. I think I was in first and second class there after doing Montessori and Brendan's. Why do you think that was? Just uh, I was very inquisitive. Again, like didn't, didn't necessarily uh, just take the information that was given to me. I always wanted to know more or go deeper. And I think just that. Headache for teachers. Yeah, very much so. I think I had a teacher at the time, uh, Mick Kenny was just, near retirement and at the time I didn't know you know he was just happy to read his paper I think come in and didn't want any extra hassle so I used to always put outside the door and also like Clester was a nice school in, in Clester whereas I was from Harmonstown and if someone had a problem or, uh, or or any kind of issue or there was slaggings it would be resolved physically so when I went into school I took that mentality and so if anyone picked on me and the older kids knew they could get a rise so I'd always have like fifth and sixth class kids like just storing shit, you know, trying to get a rise out of second class, and I would always put up to them because that's how I used to deal with stuff. So I had to realise that that wasn't the way to do it in school, you know. But my mum then found this little school called John Scotus, um, just near Balls Bridge there, and they taught um, philosophy and meditation and Sanskrit, which is the basis of Greek and Latin, and they meditated and all this. So she put me in there. Well, she actually let me go to the open day and said, do you want to go? And uh, it was a fee-paying school. She started to do well in her job at the time, so could afford it. It's really nice it. to hear that, you know, going from selling the car to, yeah. you know, eventually getting you to... Really all about you, wasn't it? Really yeah. All, she, all she, for you. She, 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 I think she just wanted a good life for, for both of us, mm -hmm. but definitely wanted to give me the best she could. And, mm -hmm. and that school, yeah, definitely helped open up my mind. And we had a, a morning assembly at 8 o'clock every morning where we would go in and listen to the Quran and have that read out or the Bhagavad Gita, the foundation of Hinduism and... Um, yeah, I went to India when I was 15 with that school to work on building projects and would have been taught transcendental meditation at the age of 11. So I had this duality for the first 13 years of my life, more, more intensely from 9 to 13 because we moved away from our time when I was 13 just because it got too much for me. I was, I was either going to end up going one way or the other and with the school I was getting this foundation in um, kind of self-development but on the street then I was getting into fucking a lot of trouble. So I got arrested I think when I was... 13 for breaking an entry into a factory down near uh, Harmonstown Dart Station and I remember my ma came in to collect me and the, the guards like were very rough with us you know a lot of the lads would have been, would have been around 16, 17 and probably doing a bit of drugs in there and probably um, not, not up to the best but I remember You were like, probably just exploring I was just this is all that is outside my door so therefore like I'm not going to stay in and just play fucking FIFA I'm going to go out and uh, you know be one of the lads and I always probably had this uh, ground to make up because they would have known I wore a blazer to school and I went you know school was in Donnybrook so I always had a point to prove in, in both 
uh, sides. So uh, my nanny worked in Cabris for 37 years um, and she bought a little apartment in Spain with, with her retirement money. So I remember my mum was like, that's it. I think it was like the first week of summer, you know, summer holidays and I'd already gotten into trouble a few times throughout the years. So she's like, you're going, going over to your nanny for three months. And when I came back, she'd, she'd sold the gaff and moved out to Donna Bates. So um, she had made a bold move there to, to take me out to the beach. And, and uh, I just then started to get the train at school. I had to get up at like six o'clock in the morning to make it. Huge, huge change. Yeah, so she just made that decision for me, you know, took me out of that environment. And um, I have to say, I, I owe a lot to that time in my life. I learned a lot about connecting with people and, and trusting yourself. And, you know, I think that's added to me now because I still identify with that part of myself in my childhood being there. I still consider myself an outsider from Artane and uh, someone who uh, loves that community and I stay in touch with all of those lads. So, yeah, I'm after just remembering I need to get back to one of them. He's, he's asking me about getting into marketing and stuff. Um, a lad I would have played football with and I played ball for Pauls for 18 years, like, you know, so, um, so yeah, I learned a lot from, from both sides and that's probably why I have um, both to pull from, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's even two sides. It's all just now, I just look at it as like, if you're a human, mm-hmm. you're a human, it doesn't matter where you're from, mm-hmm. but it's important to be able to treat everyone exactly the same and mm-hmm. to ultimately treat yourself with respect first and then from there, love yourself and love others. So, uh, very grateful for Like you for said in another um, podcast of your own, The Truth Bangers, which is yeah. something that I can't get enough of now and I'm... I think I've caught up on all of them now over the last four days. Thank you so Um, much, yeah. You know, but you said in one of the podcast episodes, you said, you know, how can you love someone else or anyone else Mm. if you can't love yourself? Yeah. And I find that so true. Like, you could be having the worst day in the world. So you get up that morning and there's a fight at home or you fight with your your partner and then you go to work and then someone passes you in the corridor. They're having a great day. And they're like, oh, how are you doing? And you just shrug them off, you know, not the humour. Then that person's like, did I do something? Then Mm. their thoughts start spiralling to, you know, did I say something to him last week or what did I do and then they might their direction for their day changes you know that takes a U-turn to be like you know I was having a great day now I feel paranoid because I feel and it's nothing really got to do with that but it's like if you just change kind of your way of thinking and work on yourself Mm. then other people around you then will be happier and you know I think be more more attracted to you like in terms of you know you'll let off a glow you'll be shining in a sense that like I want to be speaking to this guy more I want to interact with him more but but even from a deeper place of like if you're really in your life trying to love people you're genuinely trying to love others if you don't love yourself if you really don't know and love yourself then you won't be able to have capacity to love anyone else because that negative thought pattern or that dialogue that you have about yourself those kind of um accounts that you hold yourself to you'll also be then framing other people with those judgments so if you're judging yourself then you're naturally going to be judging other people so Mm -hmm. for me the key to the key to liberation and freedom in life is to to not judge yourself or anyone else because Mm -hmm. you just don't know so um, and when when you don't judge yourself when I was going to make next question was how does one love him love him or herself yeah you know how do you what do you do do you wake up in the morning and say look I feel amazing that that Mm. I'm going about this day I look great I feel great Mm. because when you worry about how you look and your appearance comes across and you don't feel you look as good then you won't feel as good but do you think like changing your channel of thinking to feel like you know I'm beautiful I am Mm. this person I think it's a constant process again like how are are you who you are now and how do you like how do you love yourself there are self-care practices, you know, I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing a book at the moment all around like loving yourself and, and, and love self as a as an instruction and uh, I'll actually, do you know, I have it in my notes, I'm just going to read you the, do, the do. early part of the, of the book but I feel like 
ultimately um, it's a practice you never ever get there like you're always going to have to keep loving yourself so I was actually I went over to London and I was on the subway and I was just like or the, the underground in London and I was just looking around and everyone was so disconnected uh, and I was trying not to have any judgement of everyone being on their phones and then I took out my phone and I was like how do I feel in this moment so I just think to better answer your question I have, have this here so I'll just go ahead it I'd love to hear so it's a self love is not a destination it is a practice in order to love yourself, you must know yourself. In order to know yourself, you must allow yourself time to be by yourself. But in order to be able to be by yourself, you have to be able to be kind to yourself. And to be kind to yourself, you must be aware of your thoughts, beliefs, self-talk and self-care practices, or in a lot of our cases, our lack thereof. How to use this book. When writing this book, I treated it as a motivation to find new ways to love myself. Brief side note, when I say love myself, what I'm referring to is a desire to understand yourself better and treat yourself with the care and respect you deserve so you can in turn be more loving and compassionate uh, to other people and to the earth and those living in it. After all, if you don't love yourself, how can you expect yourself to be able to love anyone else? Or furthermore, how can you expect anyone else to love you? Um, so that just goes into then the contents are like time. How do you spend your time? How much time do you spend alone with yourself to know yourself? Silence, like just literally we're constantly stimulated in life with music or ads or fucking even books at times like they're brilliant but sometimes just sitting in silence is, is really important and then your self-talk like how, how are you speaking about yourself in your own mind like what kind of things are you saying oh you fucking idiot like why did you do that or you know that person doesn't like you or you're not good enough like these are all little uh, loops negative loops that we have and then your care rituals like I think sometimes I notice if I'm having a fucking crazy week and I haven't had time to just like have a shower, lie on my bed, read, write, um, and then sweating is massively important. So whether that's going for a run or rolling around doing jiu-jitsu or playing football or going to the gym or um, walking, whatever, whatever it is. And then nature, I think we're really disconnected from nature as human beings, getting back into that wild animalistic ancestral health place where right now people are living lives myself included at times when I'm working really really hard on something like lives that are socially normal but are naturally t fucking madness you know we're, we're, we're not getting out into nature we're not breathing fresh air we're not getting into cold water we're not doing things that are just so obviously beneficial for us we're designed to be outdoors we're, we're, we're made to be in nature nature is our, our mother and yeah then just like plants and food like every plant you know, is, like, is can you forward this on to me? That is absolutely. I'll brilliant. send it on to you. Yeah, I just yeah. think I'm, I think like even with the never give up um, scroll type uh, thing. The Dalai Lama, there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like things like that, putting something like that up on the wall, or having it on you know in your bedroom, or having it in your office space, where you spend a large mm -hmm. portion of your day. I think having stuff like that printed out, it's a book is great. And don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, like to have oh you can dog ear the book and put a bookmark into it and keep referring to it, but having that there where you like nearly can't ignore it mm -hmm. is so important and. Like that, that's a that's really I have to say that is yeah, really yeah. really impressive. You, um, so when you are not on your phone, it creates opportunity to talk to people. You realise when when you're not on your phone, you see other people who aren't. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I've, I've just started to love chatting to just everyone as much as possible. And sometimes I don't have capacity. I'm fucking. I'm just wanting to naturally just, so. just sit, yeah, mm -hmm. and not talk to anyone. But there's a lot of the days when when I'm out, I'm like having a little buzz with mm -hmm. someone that I never would ever usually talk to. You know, about. a lot of people say to me like, oh, it's great that you're doing this podcast and you're helping certain people use this platform. And like most people don't even need the platform. Mm -hmm. They've established themselves enough. But with people that like maybe more local people that don't have this platform and don't mm -hmm. have an audience to share their opinions and yeah. their stories, people are like to me, it's great that you're doing that. And I'm like, 
can I just say something? This isn't about me helping them mm. promote their brand story or experiences. Mm. I'm loving this more than anybody. Like yeah. if I was to just record this right now and not share this anywhere, I mean, I'd look back at this and I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna just reference to what he said. I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna just think, oh, hang on a second. Let me just change my way of thinking. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're an enemy with the person inside here, then you're gonna be, you know, an enemy with probably some people out in the real yeah, world, yeah. so. I would also say though, um, as a message to go out to your audience, it's like, you don't need a podcast to have a, to, to reach out to someone. And that's something I'm trying to encourage people to do in their that's lives very more, true. and me as well. It's like, if it's you're inspired my, it's by It's my someone, avenue. Yeah, yeah, but it's brilliant. It should it's, be. It's, but it's amplifying a message. But not, not, I think you're spot on. This is beautiful in that it facilitates this conversation and then it gets to be amplified and people get to connect with it. It's, it's brilliant. But just to also say, you don't need a reason other than curiosity or a genuine animalistic human attraction to someone's work, someone's life, because we're all sharing this experience together. So if we can bestow some learning not even, I don't even know about teaching anybody anything because I think we're all learning ourselves. Mm -hmm. and I think show or just live and then from that people can learn. But I think um, I just I just love when people are like, yo, I'd love to love to meet up or I'd love to catch up. And I do it all the time to people who are in, in the world. Like it doesn't even, it's not even limited to Ireland. You can send someone an email, emails are fucking great. If you really come from a good place and you're just looking to, to connect, I think sometimes just reaching out mm -hmm. will often. See, I think what you're saying is 100% like, I do genuinely feel like you would have took yeah, time yeah, yeah. out and met me, but well, even fuck me, forget about me. I just mean in general in the world. Hundred percent, do it. Like, it's irrelevant. Out, yeah, yeah, it's it's with this podcast. I know you're saying like it shouldn't have to be a platform that brings us together. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I don't think I would have sent the yeah, email. Yeah, it's given so, you purpose to do it yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean that's why I'm kind of just enjoying the process because, I mean, when I walk away from here now and then I'm passing you down on George Street or we're coming to Temple Bar, yeah. like I'll run over and shake a hand and give you a hug because I know you now yeah. and I feel I know your team now to a, to a level yeah. where I could be on a first name basis. So mm -hmm. I find this is a way for me to get to know you, all these amazing people out there that are hiding. They're essentially out there hiding, like, I mean, they're out there, mm. but people don't know, all right, I was once this and now I'm here. Or, mm. you know, they just see the, you know, thousands of followers you have, or mm. they just see kind of, oh, he's doing well, or he's yeah. shining, or whatever mm -hmm. he's doing is really good. But yeah, you don't see that I was once here, or yeah. I was once there, and now it took me to get to here. Yeah. People and don't share the struggle, you know, they don't share the, no. the hard moments, the low no. points, but everyone's going through it, mm. like everybody. Like I'm not gonna put up a video of me having a row with somebody in my house, but mm. I'll share the video of us, um, you know, as we're having a party. Yeah, exactly. So you know, like you put up, we put out, and we project what we want people to see and what mm. we want people to think of us, mm. and we're all guilty of it. And yeah. and to be honest, this podcast is a way to say, you know, look, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. it, it, sometimes it might just it might it might be just a steady flow, and that's fine. But you know, then when I see people that are that had an easy run, sometimes then their problem is internal then. Yeah. It could be mentally, it could be they were struggling with, you know, their own internal issues. And totally. I mean, I do want to touch on psychedelics, but I don't want absolutely, to, yeah. I don't want it to be like you're promoting them because that's not your, I, I, I know. I, I absolutely am promoting psychedelics. Yeah, but not to, I, I mean, <laughs> like you're not ramming it down people's throats. No. I think you should do this. It's like, yeah. they're there, yeah. like a lot of things, they're yeah. there. Some people don't like drinking coffee. Yeah. But, if you want coffee to, is a drug. coffee you know. is a stimulant. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. no different. But I don't want to basically make you look like you're like this psychedelic um, promoter because you're not. Yeah. In a sense that you're not. Definitely ramming do it. promote psychedelics. Definitely <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> You're not ramming it down people's throats. I don't. I don't get yeah. that vibe off you. Yeah. Um. I mean, you're there to explain your stories and yeah. your experience. Yeah. But um, 
if people want to try it they can try it if people want to give it a bash it, it's there to be experimented with like anything mm-hmm. but I do want to get your side of the story yeah. because I feel that it's it's a good story in terms of how you went from LA mm-hmm. to Peru mm-hmm. to the Amazon mm-hmm. um, and then let you just yeah. tell the um, rest so for me um, psychedelics or any form of medicine like they're plants they've been on the planet you know longer than we have so you know for a government to say this is illegal or you should not do this I think we need to look at like why are we being told these things and I think that if um, if you do a little bit of digging you can see that there is like a there is a, a war on consciousness you know you know the certain things you're allowed to have like tobacco alcohol coffee all these things alter your state of consciousness from time to time and um, daily usually people are quite reliant on those substances and um, so I just feel like all the plants in the world, all the, all of these different medicines from psilocybin, whether that's mushrooms or whether that's ayahuasca or whether it's marijuana or whatever whatever it is, like we should have autonomy in our lives to be able to experiment with these things because ultimately I see them as a vessel to knowing yourself more and being able to actually see through the bullshit of, um, you know, the overriding dominant story of government and commerce. You know, when you're looking at the destruction of the planet right now, you're looking at us as a civilization, like we're very, very sick. You know, we're 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 basically murdering the planet that gave birth to us. Like our, our planet is a maternal energy. She's created everything that we live off, and for you know the the last three hundred, four hundred years, we've just been pillaging the planet. So for me, I want people to trust themselves and go in, go back inside themselves, and ultimately to create a more compassionate society, so we can actually realize that well, we actually are all one. We are all the one thing, and um, and I feel that those medicines that have been used for uh, thousands of years are a gateway to discovering, oh my God, this belief, this self-limiting belief I had about myself or this narrative that I've been told since I was born um, isn't all it's cracked up to be. There's a lot more there and there's a lot more to be discovered and I am actually one with my brother or my sister from all over the world and this planet actually is keeping me alive right now. So it's a way to connect more with that. My journey specifically to Peru was to to go and journey with ayahuasca, which is um, which is like a tea brew, you know, um, and even the story of ayahuasca as as a as a medicine is like, you know, there are eighty thousand different types of plant combinations, like plant and vine combinations in in the jungle. But out of that eighty thousand different types of of combinations, the the Shipibu tribes and the tribes of the Amazon knew to take this one vine and match it with this one leaf to block an inhibitor enzyme in your stomach that would have prevented dimethyltryptamine from getting to the brain to allow you to have these visions so even the the origin of that is so and, and when they were asked you know these tribes how did you know to put these medicines together they're like oh well the plants told us because they're living in nature they're, they're one with the plants they're one with um, mother earth so it's like for me that always seemed more true to me than religion or control structures so I just trusted in in that and, and went there to really learn about the medicine and, and learn about like its history and how it how it's made and also how to use it because um, it's a very sacred thing and it's also a very delicate and and uh, powerful substance and so how you use it and how you integrate that into your life is really important I wasn't just going there to to trip in the jungle and, and, and have, a, have an experience. I was going there to look at my life and look at parts of me that I could let go of and parts of me that I needed to heal, you know. Does it remove the ego? It removes unhealthy parts of the ego, yeah. I think it removes parts of like attachment um, or 
it, it allows you to see past your ego, it allows you to come out and look at yourself within the sum total of life and, and conditioning that has been put on that you've you've accumulated over the course of your life and, and maybe let go of things. Like people with addiction uh, would use iboga and uh, ayahuasca to let go of, let's say, heroin or or uh, certain certain people who also have depression or who have come through a tough time use ayahuasca to also tap into um, their own inner health uh, and, and let go of things that are essentially like keeping them down and mm -hmm. taking their energy. So it's a medicine the same way psilocybin. You know, we've come from, I had the, the privilege of listening to Stan Metz at Burning Man this year in a fucking geodesic dome out in the middle of the desert and he's like Mr. Mushroom, if, if anyone has ever looked at Paul Stamets, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's like Mr. Mushroom in the world, but he he traces us back, and this is scientifically proven. We've come from fungus, like human beings developed from mushrooms, and mushrooms are communicating communicating all around the planet, like they share information, and and um, we can we can learn from that. So for me, it's a medicine for self exploration, and um, yeah, it's it's scientifically proven. You know, like even there was a study done. I read this book. There's two books by a guy called Jeremy Narby that I'd recommend on ayahuasca. One is called The Cosmic Serpent which uh, really deals with ayahuasca and how ayahuasca was found, how ayahuasca was cooked and how it's been used. And there's a story within that uh, book, The Cosmic Serpent, that tells of these Harvard scientists who came to the Amazon with this particular equation, this particular problem that they had that they couldn't solve. And so they wanted to see if ayahuasca would help them like, unlock this problem. And all of them said that although ayahuasca didn't give them any new piece of information to solve the problem, it enabled them to like remove themselves and change their perspective and change the lens and how they're looking at it. That straight away they like solved it in the jungle. They knew the answer because it helped them shift to look at it. That's uh, great. Yeah, but it, it's 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 for me. It's like society and and the current framework is crazy. It's crazy that we have no real compassion for the tens of thousands of people that are literally dying on our streets or how we are looking at people who have a, a substance problem let's say with drugs how they're criminals you know for me they're sick people and we need to decriminalize they're drugs. no different to anybody else that's suffering with a mental illness exactly. or suffering with, with a diagnosis that they're needing to attend the hse for yeah exactly they're, they're patients yeah they are they are they are people who need help you know and we need yeah. to we need to offer them compassion and, and i humanity. think it's perspective and it's like I could look at you and I could think like, you know, when I see all this stuff here and I see, you know, how how this studio is shaped so much by art, whether it's music, whether it's filmmaking, whether it's, you know, photography. And I could look at this and, and come in and just walk in, look at everything on the walls and walk right back out. Mm. I could come in here with an open mind mm. and spend 10 minutes looking at just one of the paintings or spend mm. an hour looking at mm. another poster that you've put together or one of your still prints. People have different perspectives and that's the problem I think some of the times that mm. it takes a mind altering substance or something mm. along the lines of that not that that's mandatory or the only way but mm. that can sometimes just open somebody's eyes yeah. like the toward eye obviously yeah yeah open it that little bit more because I know nothing about it and mm. to be honest I'd be terrified like I'm not even gonna lie yeah until I do it like yeah. I'd need to do it like I could never be one to knock it off and say oh no no, no that's not for me or that yeah. would you know don't do that I'm a firm believer that like you can't speak on something unless you've done it yourself or yeah. you can't speak about somebody unless you've met them yourself and yeah. formed an opinion. But that but that fear that's built in is is society like it, it, the, is. You know, it is. It is. It is the war on drugs. It's it's all of these things that have tried to keep it as this uh, forbidden 
dangerous thing, you know, when really, like if you go back even to uh, Timothy Leary and like the studies that he would have been doing on LSD in Harvard, like they were having profound results with that and it was shut down by the government because mm -hmm. they feared an awakening, like a rising mm -hmm. of consciousness in people. Look at that. What can I help you with Siri just goes off because I said Timothy Leary and uh, oh my God, and that's mental. So my phone's just been sitting there doing absolutely nothing um, and then it just, the minute I said Timothy Leary, it just started, that's mental. Uh, Edward Snowden on Joe Rogan is also one for to demystify like how your phone is literally tracking absolutely everything. 100% I watch the cellular, the towers, how yeah. they're pinging and stuff like that but um, you know when I think of kind of not that I'm a conspiracy theorist either. I'm a, I believe oh, we in all just are. people. We all are a little just, bit, I just know? don't believe the bullshit that is fed to us. I mean, we're, we've been brainwashed into thinking a certain way, and I think it's it mainly begins from the schools, and it mainly because I don't think it comes from our household or our you know our parents. Or that maybe yeah, it comes a lot. A lot of it would come from their opinions and mm. their views. Like if my dad's a massive Liverpool fan, I'm going to be a massive Liverpool mm. fan, and sometimes that's the case. And if, when my dad listens to the jam and he's into you know madness, I'm going to listen to madness because that's what I hear playing in the house. Yeah. But when we go into the schools, then mm. and then oh, I'll just get I'll, I'll get communion because everyone's getting communion. That's just mm. the thing to do. And then my parents, you know put me to these things because yeah. I don't want to be the only one in the class not getting it done yeah. and then it just everything's kind of filtered through as a kid so you're basically brought up this way that you're, you've no other way to think and then mm. you know it's only when you hit this age then and you start kind of going when I say this age in your 20s and you start mm. kind of experimenting and exploring yeah. and you see these people like they're super quiet people I mm. went to school with them and they're like some of the quietest people mm. seriously intelligent people mm. and they're the ones that are out for four day benders on the weekends and mm. I feel personally it's because their parents just held them in this cocoon until mm. they were 21 mm -hmm. and then as soon as they hit 21 they're like you know I'm going to feckin born mm -hmm. in man festival and I'm not coming back and mm -hmm. the parents are like Jesus you know where did this come from and you I've never seen this but they're finally getting to live and mm -hmm. see the world for what it is mm -hmm. and I think yeah. when you speak about your opinions and your kind of journey and how you've changed so much mm -hmm. you are 22 years of age so that's essentially me now sitting in a dressing room with all these you know footballers and looking not looking at like what boots they had or mm. not looking at what hairstyle they had and how slick they were and mm -hmm. you know this and that you were more so looking within you were mm -hmm. going like right that's going to be potentially me and is yeah. this what I want so you clearly from a young age had a different perspective to most people and I think yes and no you know I think I think we're all like I, I, I agree with you but I'm also uh, I also disagree in many ways I think um, everyone has that capacity and I think uh, they need to just spend time by themselves. And it's like, who Ross is, or who Chris Hadfield is, or who I am, or who Collective is, or who Dublin is, or who Ireland is, is all based on a set of stories. Straight up, it's all based on the narrative of society. It's based on, okay, so I'm Irish. Okay, well, what does that mean? That's, that's just a name that was given to a piece of land. That doesn't define me. I'm Mark. That was a name that was given to me. That doesn't define me. So who am I? Who am I actually? Like, what, what can I say? Like, my schooling, I, I, you know, I'm an Irish, I speak Irish, okay, does that define me? Like, my personality, is that who I am? Well, that, that's nature, that's nurture, you know, like, I was brought up in this way. Like, so, if you really go hard at, like, who you are, and you boil it down, you realise that, you know, what, what, what was you and what was conditioning, and I think that what we're trying to do here with storytelling is we're trying to be really, really true, we're trying to tell powerful stories, and we're trying to tap into that, narrative to change that cognitive behavioural just pattern that's in loop that people are just 
you know, uh, following and asking them just to, to open up their minds a little bit and think of the untold story, think of, you know, look, look, look around and actually really create their own opinions and don't necessarily just eat what's, what's fed and, and actually, you know, create their own thoughts and, and have your own outlook. So that's what we're trying to do with storytelling, with filmmaking, with documentary filmmaking, is shine a light on the untold story and try to help people um, first and foremost connect with themselves and, and, and look around and be inspired and motivated to just follow their own truths um, and have a lot of fucking crack in the process. And nothing more, that's yeah. all it is. You know, I mean, you can overcomplicate it, but that's, you've literally hit the nail on the head. We have a very short uh, time frame to speak here. You know, you're, you're heading off to something else now, so I don't want to keep you for much longer, but I feel in that short space of time, mm. the amount I've learned, I mean, I'd love to meet up again, maybe, and just even come here without the camera and just chat and just yeah. get to know each other a little bit more. I could tell you my story and we can chat that way. And then, you know, I find these phones and this technology and all this stuff, it's good and it has its benefits, but at the same time, it nearly does one thing and that takes people away from the, the, the reason we're all here to just have a conversation, communicate, get to know each other, love mm -hmm. each other. And, and that sometimes stops that. Yeah. Although it helped it's me get here. It's an amazing tool as well though. It you helped know, me get here, yeah, it helped yeah, me yeah. message you, it yeah. helped me kind of, you know, break that ice and get the introduction um, to, to end up here. But at the same time, this is really the, the main thing I wanted yeah. to achieve and we've done it. And um, I'm gonna just quickly finish off. You can all head over to Mark's Instagram page, which I'll link below, the Collective Dublin's Instagram page. Um, Troop Bangers podcast also. Um, Thank you, brother. Shout out to Paul Walsh there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you just missed him. I just missed on, on Rage. We'll that, that could be a again. separate episode. Yeah. Maybe I get the two years on, or just or ju him. Just, just Paul would be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. you guys have, have uh, you know, there's a lot to, to bring to the table there. I love your content. It's amazing. I think everybody else needs to tune into that too. Um, but yeah, look, I'll just finish it off there. Mark, thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you, it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, good luck, man. Thank you. Great work. Coffee and a little bit of conversation.